This is Coach Dad's NFL Half an Hour. Coach Dad's NFL half an hour. I apologize in advance for the audio quality here, folks. I know Coach Dad's got to get his wires sorted. You don't got to tell me, but also, uh, hut, hut, hi. One and all, and happy last weekend of September to you. Oh, it's not even. It'll be October 1st on Friday. This is Coach Dad's NFL half an hour, and I, as always, am your humble host, Coach Dad. Well, as humble as I can be. After another double-dub, my goodness, for old Coach Dad, though the sixth Texans-Bears game managed to hit us with our first dreaded push. Oh, no, all the disgust for the superfluous ones and Houston and Indy's records, and now I've got one of those unsightly blemishes on both my records this year. And while Coach Dad's no drama monger, I'm no shock jock. It does seem like I've officially got myself a rival. But more on that in a bit. First, some housekeeping. Keep those emails coming to coachdademail at gmail.com. Excuse me, cooldademail at gmail.com. I'm just so excited. Always happy to hear from one of my players about whatever it is you'd like to speak about. Perhaps, you know, you need a therapist. You know, with things being how they are, with, with insurance and what have you, I, I might be the best you can get. Now, I don't know how much inspiring stories about Vince Lombardi will do for your clinical depression or your body dysmorphia, but hey... If it was good enough for Jerry Kramer, it should be good enough for anyone. Now, before we get to the shenanigans and the goings-on, let's check in on the official Coach Dad record. And would you look at that? We've got some fancy music for it now. That's that's just a perk of being a sharp, I suppose. And a sharp I am, as once again, Coach Dad is over 500 on both avenues. A bi-worthy 12-4 and four on winners and 10... Five and one against the spread. Means a reasonable amount of money in your pocket. I certainly hope you've been betting in moderation with no hesitation because if you have been, you'd be 28 and 19 and one, picking winners. And oh, take a look at this 31 16 and against the spread. That's expert analysis, ladies and gentlemen. Expert analysis indeed. And let's see how we got there by taking a round trip around the league for week three, starting off with the Thursday night Trubisky Brissette tete a tete. The Browns and the NFL's leading rusher through three, Nick Chubb, who added his second 300 footer of the year, handled their business in the second half, outscoring the Steelers 16 to 3, and showing why we don't dabble in the overs and the unders here on the NFL half an hour. Imagine being an underbetter and seeing Denzel Ward recover that end zone fumble for six with the clock reading 0 0 0. Speaking of last second twists of fate, how about that Coach Dad emergency 15 minute special from Sunday, huh? Saved us from two, count them two, losses against the spread, the first of which came in stunning fashion when Dolphins punter Thomas Morstead's end zone punt in the final two minutes found nothing but butt. 
bouncer off the powerful backside of blocker Trent Sherfield and out of bounds for a critical safety late in the game, which put Buffalo a mere two points behind with a little more than 90 seconds to play, perhaps setting up the game-winning field goal, but certainly rewarding us for teasing that line down to Buffalo plus three and a half. The possibility uh, did not come to pass, unfortunately, but Josh Allen certainly did, slinging the rock a career high 63 times to sudden rival Tua's 18. But it was quality, not quantity, in the scorching South Florida sun that led to the Dolphins holding on to prevail 21 to 19. That wasn't the only two-point differential we saw Sunday, but for some reason, this one feels a little less consequential. The Sin City Raiders had a chance to tie the score against fellow 0-2 basement dwellers, the Tennessee Titans, but couldn't convert on a two-point conversion or recover the onside kick, which I mean, who does anymore? And the score went final at 22-20. The Raiders now look to achieve a feat six teams have done since 1979, making the playoffs after an 0-3 start as the Titans continue to achieve the feat of not having anyone notice that superstar running back Derrick Henry hasn't crossed the century mark this season. In fact, Sunday's 85 yards on 20 carries was the season high for Henry, who Tennessee hopes is returning to form after an injury plague 21. Speaking of a plague, let's talk for a minute about a man Coach Dad has had it up to here with. And I'm holding my hand about hairline level, which is the same place it's been since 1986, baby. You know, I looked the other way when he got me all mixed up on the previous I tried not to hold it against him when he handed me that first filthy, extraneous one on my record. And I was even willing to let that bizarre wizard beard of his slide. But I'm sorry, Houston Texans head coach Lovey Smith, by losing to Chicago 23-20, thereby making the fair play pick of the week a push and retiring it forever, forever sullying coach dads against the spread record, you've just become my rival. I'm sorry, Mr. Smith, but it simply has to be that way. Lovey Smith? How about strong, dislikey Smith? Hmm? Uh, That was the score, by the way. Uh, Bears 23, Texans 20. A Roke Smith interception late sealed up for the Chicagans. Uh, but that's that's all I'm going to say about that. I, I don't want to get my dander up this early. It's far too early for elevated dander. It was that son of a bitch's first victim, the Indianapolis Colts, who got elevated for their huge victory over the so far dominant Kansas City Chiefs. Matty Light led the Colts to the game-winning touchdown on a throwback drive, but it was the Clydesdales on defense and special teams that made the difference in the nap town because the prolific, KC offense was only able to score three points in the second half, and that D picked Pat Mahomes on the chief desperation drive to field goal range in the waning seconds of the game. All that, plus a quick seven after going three and out on their opening drive, thanks to a muffed punt return by Kansas City's new return man, Sky Moore. No, no, ground less. Another last-second game-winning drive was engineered by a quarterback who many have long left for dead, Kirk Cousins. Minnesota Vikings triumphed at home over those pesky, frisky, future most competitive 5-12 and team of all time, the Detroit Lions. Cousins found K.J. Osborne from 28 yards out as he left Los Leones cornerback Mike Hughes in the burn unit and crossed the goal line with under a minute left, capping off a 14-point 
fourth quarter that left the Vikings 2-1. and one. A cautionary tale for every fan of a team who hires a high-energy, highly memeable coach like Dan Campbell. I get that it's fun when a guy shouts and says swear words, but oftentimes they're the same guys who do things like, I don't know, go for it on fourth down six times throughout the game and decide on fourth and four in your opponent's territory with a minute 14 to go on the road after your opponent turned the ball over on downs and sucked the air out of the building. This, this feels like a good time for my kicker to attempt what would be the longest field goal he's ever made. Oh, the Motor City madman strikes again. There were some mad men in our nation's capital, and I'm not talking about, uh, well, everyone, I guess. I'm talking about the Washington football team and their co-fanders who watched Jalen Hurts and the Bird Gang of Philadelphia soar to a 24-8 victory. You know, you may recall me saying the 49ers were my NFC pick and Trey Lance was my sneaky MVP choice, which I'd rather you didn't. But I did also say in that premiere episode that the same could apply for Philadelphia and Jalen Hurts. Don't look now, but Mr. Hurts has found himself at plus 600 on DraftKings, putting him second only behind Josh Allen of Buffalo in the Golden Derby. How did Carson Wentz play, I hear you say? Bad. He played bad. He's bad. On the topic of most valuable player, how about a hand for 2019's honoree, Mr. Lamar Jackson, who had another spectacular two-lane performance, throwing for 219 yards with four touchdowns and rushing for another 110 yards and a score, leading his Baltimore Blackbirds to a 37-26 victory over the New England Patriots. The self-represented quarterback entered the season without a long-term contract extension, and with every passing and running game, that bet on himself seems like it was Coach Dad level good, as the doubters right now can only be saying, Sorry, Mr. Jackson, woohoo, you are for real. Never meant to doubt your skills, my guy. I apologize at least 47 million times annually. It wasn't all good news for the quarterbacks in this game, however, as signal caller Mac Jones is expected to miss multiple weeks with a severe high ankle. The Patriots were just relieved to discover it wasn't Mr. Jones's knee. I'm sorry. While we're discussing nostalgia acts, we can discuss the last bow of Joe Flacco, whose New York Jetropolitans lost at home 27-12 to the reigning defending AFC champions, the Cincinnati Bengals who helped their chances of at least being invited to defend their crown by avoiding the dreaded 0-3 start behind three Joe Burrow touchdown passes and a season low, two sacks allowed by the Big Cats' big boys up front. Mr. Flacco, whose long and capable career includes a ring and a Super Bowl MVP trophy, has likely made his final start for the Jets. As young franchise QB hopeful Zach Wilson has officially been cleared by the team's medical staff and will start this Sunday versus Pittsburgh. Mr. Flacco, the all-time leader in passing yards and touchdowns for a quarterback who's never made a Pro Bowl, certainly deserves a round of applause for his years of underrated service. Let's hope he gets plenty of Flacco's favorites. Hey, let me tell you about my favorite pizza, my way. Ten bucks, any pizza. Hut Hut, Pizza Hut. Flacco's favorite. Check it out. Speaking of charismatic quarterbacks, Baker Mayfield and his Carolina Panthers are in their first victory, a hard-fought 22-14 dub over the New Orleans Saints. The boys from the Bayou trailed 13-0, 
headed into quarter four, but made it interesting with a well-orchestrated drive by maestro Jameis Winston, which ended in a Mark Ingram touchdown scamper. But Baker's boys bounced back quickly as Mayfield found LaVisca Chenault Jr. for a 67-yard catch-and-run that restored the Kakalaki Kitties' two-score lead. A Panthers field goal and a Saints touchdown late pushed the total up further, but it was Carolina walking away 1-2 and two and avoiding a 10-game losing streak dating back to last season. The afternoon games lacked the close scores, but still proved profitable for the real coach dad heads, especially the ones who caught the emergency NFL 15 minutes. Always be sure to check the podcast feed Sunday morning to see if there's something you need to know. Like, for instance, a heads up on a potential Jags jamboree, which we got in Los Angeles as battered quarterback Justin Herbert toughed it out and played, but still spent plenty of time on the sidelines as the Jaguars controlled the clock, the scoreboard, and the game from whistle to whistle, blasting the bolts 38-10. to The Jag defense has been vicious all year, bottling up another team's running game en route to their first road victory in a good long while. Jacksonville DT, Dewan Smoot, said it best. When we stop the run, we can have fun. Which, that, ooh, that's the kind of adage you know I'm just going to love. Though, uh, Mr. Smoot, here's something we coaches love offering, unsolicited advice. Match the syllables to make it really memorable. When we stop the run, we can have some fun. See how poetic that is? Now, on that note, roses are red, violets are blue. What can you say about this crummy Falcon-Seahawks game? Cordell Patterson ran all over the sea fence, much to the chagrin of the Twelves, the coolest fan base in all of sports. And despite QB Geno Smith eclipsing the 300-yard mark for the first time since 2014, Seattle was unable to complete their final drive, and the Dirty Birds danced at Lumen Stadium, 23-27 victors. Are the Falcons better than we thought? Are the Seahawks worse than we thought? Honestly, truthfully, look inside your soul before you answer. Do you really care? For the second week in a row, the Rams did just enough to escape a game that it certainly felt like they shouldn't have to escape from, downing divisional rivals the Cardinals 20-12. It was that Ram bunctious defense that did the job once again as their offense, like the kids who didn't get out of the moat on Legends of the Hidden Temple, struggled to get that L.A. gear turning an early block punt in enemy territory to three points instead of six, and missing out on points entirely when Rams running back Cam Akers fumbled at the one-yard line late in the game. Kyler Murray did his damnedest, assuming his damnedest includes mostly checkdowns, which against an elite unit like the one Raheem Morris, remember him, is running in L.A. may very well be the case. And how about that marquee matchup, Rodgers, Brady, two surefire Hall of Famers, two legends of the fall, locking horns under the bright lights of 4 p.m. East Coast football. America strapped in for this one, knowing full well they were going to get an instant classic. And they did, as the pack edged the Bucks 14 to 12. 14 to 12? Mr. Rogers asked, wherefore art thou Romeo eight times? And his rookie wideout, Romeo Dobbs, responded right here. Please stop saying that. All eight times, hauling in every target that came his way for 73 yards, a score, and four key first downs. Tom Terrific was just all right in the loss, throwing further coal on the he-should-have-stayed-home fire, which I thought was silly until I saw the man's picture on ESPN.com. My goodness, go look at that when you get a chance. I, I just can't get over the score. 14 to 12. What the heck kind of a score is 14 to 12? 
Certainly the weirdest score this week. No chance any game has a weirder one. Of course, on Sunday Night Football, we had the Broncos eking out a win by the smallest margin possible, 11 to 10. 11 to 10? What? Absolutely not. No way. Not talking about it. 11 to 10. Get out of here with 11 to 10. Coach Dad called the upset last week and was once again proven right by a team I clearly know how to pick quite well, those crazy New York football giants. Pundits were wondering if the G-men were going to establish themselves as eagle equals by moving to 3-0 and against a diminished Dallas squad. But come on, their fans knew what was coming. Another Saquon scamper in the third quarter gave the Giants their first and only lead. Cowboy bell cow Zeke Elliott responded with a score of his own, and their lamb, C.D., to be specific, went out like a lion by snatching an impressive one-handed one-yard TD grab midway through the fourth quarter to give Dallas a 20-13 lead, which more than made up for his humiliating case of the dropsies in quarter two. And Dallas never looked back, ultimately taking the thing 23-16. Well, folks, we've done the rundown. Now it's time to make a reasonable and responsible amount of money. Starting with tonight's affair, the 3-0 Miami Dolphins traveling to beautiful, scenic Cincinnati for an Amazon primetime matchup with the Bengals, who are laying four. We know all about the big wins both these teams are coming off. But when you've got a short week like this, you have to look at what was lost in those wins. And given the injury report, a quick once-over will show you that the aquatic ones are more banged up than the men in stripes. Tua, dynamic playmaker Jalen Waddle, big meaty man Teron Armstead, and quite a few others. Key players listed as questionable for tonight. I think Burroughs boys give the Finns their first blemish and cover the four. Now, fast forward. You've made it through the waking nightmare that is the Friday workday. And you've done some kind of fall fun activity, like apple picking or scarecrow burning with the wife and kids on Saturday. You've earned this football Sunday. Early start and all. Mustn't forget we've got a London game this weekend. The Vikings and the Saints. Now, that's how you heal a nation in mourning. Let's turn it over to our English correspondent, English Coach Dad, for this pick. English coach dad? Folks, coach dad, both of these teams have had their ups and downs across the first three weeks of the American football season, which leads us to this narrow two and a half point spread in favor of your Minnesota Vikings. The Vikings may be without speeding rushman Sir Dalvin Cook, who will be a game time decision, but Sir Alexander Matterson, Cook's backup has been asked to tote the rock, as you say, uh, 20-plus times, four times over the last two seasons, and each time has responded with a meters per carry of 3.6, which is four yards to you filthy American dogs. The Saints, heathen Catholics that they are, have struggled to contain the run in two of their three games and continue to lack an identity on offense. Take the Norsemen and the points in what's sure to be a bloody smashing affair. Thanks, you Tory bastard. Back here on American shores, we've got Browns Falcons. No, no, don't, don't go running back to England now. Remember the Revolutionary War? We can expect to see a high-scoring affair here, as the Brownies have scored the seven most points in the NFL. But don't sleep on these Falcons, who have somehow scored the tenth most. Cleveland is laying a point and a half, despite being in hot Atlanta. And the NFL's leading rusher, Nick Chubb, seems poised to make the defense reach for the my Atlanta. That's a stomach medication, kids. Ask your parents before you use it. I think this one will be close, pillar to post, but ultimately, I think the Browns will clip the Falcons' wings by not quite the slightest of margins. Take Cleveland and the one and a half points.
seventh highest scoring offense versus tenth highest scoring offense not doing it for you? Then how about one versus three? My goodness. We've got the Buffalo Bills and the Baltimore Ravens, two squads who appear to be in the AFC championship mix at this early juncture. The Bills are coming off their tough road loss in Miami and are stopping off in Charm City for their second straight engagement in enemy territory and have a pile of injury questions to consider. The Blackbirds, meanwhile, have recovered nicely from their own personal Dolphins heartbreak. I told you those things were bad news. Despite last week's results, Baltimore is the home dog here, getting three points from the Bills. I think these are two exceptional teams. But I anticipate that once again, Mr. Lamar Jackson will stuff the stat sheet and at least keep this close and maybe more. Quoth the coach dad, take the Ravens to cover the three and win outright. From a game I can't wait to see to a game I'm confident I'll be basing my recap mostly on write-ups of, it's an NFC East barn burner between the Cowboys and the Commanders. Now, I'm not going to pile on uh, Carson Wentz after last week's performance, but I, I will allow the late, great Dennis Green to make a quick comment. Bullshit, bullshit. Oh, Dennis, not the, not the line I expected, but uh, not wrong either. Uh, Wentz and Washington offense looked pathetic last week versus Philly. And as much as I'd like to leave that all at Mr. Wentz's feet, it, it's hard to look past just how lost this offensive line has looked through three games. I don't see that changing here. Is no matter who's taking the snaps under center for Dallas, this defensive line is ready to feast. Take the Cowboys laying the three. Jared Goff, Geno Smith, Lions, Seahawks. Need I say more? Really? Well, okay. The fact of the matter is the Seattle Seahawks defense has looked quite bad this season, particularly in the secondary. For all the fun we like to have at the expense of Geno, Seattle's struggles have not been his fault, mostly. Meanwhile, the Lions, in spite of Mr. Goff, have shown an ability to light up the scoreboard with dynamic playmakers like Amon Ra St. Brown. The Lions are laying four points on the road here, and despite the you-know-whos, who are the you-know-whats, I don't think that's nearly enough. Coach Dad likes the Lions lopsidedly. Now, here's when the real coach dad heads are going to know who they root for. The L.A. Chargers, in that hunk, Mr. Herbert, are the walking wounded, adding bookend tackle Rashawn Slater out for the season, and defensive disruptor Joseph Bosa, probably out this game at least, uh, to the list of the infirmed and find themselves reeling from two straight losses. The Texans, on the other hand, coached by a man whose name I refuse to speak again, but also, I'm not, I'm not going to call him the Harry Potter name that they use for the fellow without the nose. Uh, enough with that stuff now, folks. Their books are children, okay? The Texans have really struggled to get anything going at this point of this year. But yet, they seem to hang around in just about every game. And why wouldn't they do it again here? Look for the Chargers to right the ship with a win, but the Texans to keep it closer than the posted five. And I'm, I'm sorry for being glib about Harry Potter there. I, I know it matters to a lot of folks, so let me just take a moment to apologize to the Gryffindors, the Ravenclaws, the Slytherins, and the Hufflepuffs. Now, come on with that Hufflepuff. You have to hear how ridiculous that sounds. Hufflepuff. <clears throat> uh, there might be some AFC South magic in the air. 
in Indy as these two teams, fresh off their first win, the Colts and the Titans, tangle for the first time this season. The Colts are three-and-a-half-point favorites here, and with good reason. They're coming off a big win over the class of the AFC, and while the Titans' win was perhaps a touch less impressive, I do think these two teams are bound for a close, low-scoring affair with both teams leaning on their superstar running backs more than they have thus far. It's a classic split-the-difference game. Take the Colts to win and the Titans to cover the three-and-a-half. Folks, here we go. Get ready. History being made in the Meadowlands once again as two classic NFL franchises, the Chicago Bears and the New York Giants, meet in the field once again, Giants laying three. They've met 62 times over the years, six of them NFL championship games in like the 30s when Coach Great Granddad was still prowling the sidelines in his full suit. But never before have they met as the two worst 2-1 and one teams in NFL history. The Giants' passing game has been borderline non-existent at times, and now with Sterling Shepard lost for the season, it's hard to imagine vastly higher number of passing yards than their average 162, which is the league's third worst number. Luckily, they're matched up with the Bears, whose obscene 78.3 passing yards, passing yards per game, is the league's lowest. Hold your noses and take the G-men to win and cover the three. From a putrid matchup to a premier one, how about this cross-conference collision between two of the very early season's most pleasant surprises, the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Philadelphia Eagles. The Birds laying a fairly large number here, six and a half to be specific. Despite both of these squads looking every bit as dominant in weeks two and three. There you have it, folks, a documented proof that losing to Carson Wentz is worth nearly a full touchdown to the boys at the books. This is going to be a very tough test for Philadelphia. As I've made my opinions on the relative for real nature of the men in teal and sand, what would you call that other jaguar color? Khaki? It, oh, it can't be khaki. What are they, wearing slacks? Both of these teams are among the four squads who have only given the ball away once on offense, but the Jags have been more disruptive on D, as their eight takeaways is also tied for the top spot with Baltimore and Tampa. I'll stop short of picking the upset, but I can't leave that many points on the board with a team as convincing as the Jags. Birds win, Cats cover. Two teams left for dead by many at the start of the season. The Steelers and the Jets meet up in the Steel City with a 2-2 two two record on the line. Gang Green gets its young, uh, questionable, but talented quarterback Zach Wilson back, while Pittsburgh continues to leave theirs, rookie Kenny Pickett, on the bench. The Steelers currently sit as three-point favorites, but call me crazy, I think Wilson might inject a little life into this New York offense. Take the Jets to cover the three and heck, take them out right too. On Saturday, the calendar turns to October, and at 4 p.m., Sunday, October 2nd, the goblins, the ghoulies, the ghosties, they'll be out in full effect for our... <laughs> Trick-or-treat spooky special, that's right, between the Arizona Cardinals and their hosts, the Carolina Panthers. These are two one-and-two teams who can't seem to commit to being dreadful. However, uh, a look a little closer might just reveal that one of them already has. Here's Carolina. Winners for the first time last week after two hard-fought close losses in weeks one and two. Here's Arizona. 
who looked listless offensively in their Weeks 1 and 3 losses and benefited from a spectacular collapse in Week 2 by the Las Vegas team who's yet to find a win. I think Carolina takes this one and buys Matt Rule some more time while Cliff Kingsbury's seat grows ever hotter. Take the Panthers to win and cover the one and a half. On the subject of those Las Vegas Raiders still hunting for their first win, they'll play host to a very disappointing Denver squad in the shadow of Circus Circus. The AFC West was supposed to be the premier conference in all of football, but so far, no good. The Broncos' sputtering offense has been the story of the year so far for many. After they gave up two first-round draft choices, two second-round draft choices, plus more to get Russell Wilson, only to turn around and score 16, 16, and 11 points in their first three games. That's why, despite their 2-1 and record, they find themselves getting 2.5 from a winless team. They won't be winless for long. Eventually, this has to work. Take the Raiders to win and cover. And how about this? The Patriots travel to Green Bay to tangle with Aaron Rodgers in the pack. This matchup would not have been all that intriguing, even with Mac Jones under center for New England. But Brian Hoyer, the Packers are laying a healthy nine and a half, and for good reason. Let's spice this one up with our Coach Dad Celebrity Guest Pick of the Week. And what an honor this is, ladies and gentlemen, to have such an esteemed guest among us. Let's hope it's more first term than second term with regards to, you know, brain function. And give it up for Coach Ronald Reagan. Well, hi, Coach Dad. I pick the Packers. Thanks, Ronzo. On to Sunday Night Football. It's must-see this week as two top teams, reeling from their first loss, match up with the Chiefs, traveling to Tampa. Now, obviously, we're all watching the news about Hurricane Ian and hoping for the best for the folks in Florida, and a silly little football game isn't really worth all that much in relation to what could be happening down there. So let's bear that in mind. If this game isn't moved, however, it's a very interesting one. The Chiefs struggled offensively last week and have, as predicted, looked a little more human on that side of the ball all season long. Todd Bowles' Bucks have looked absolutely hapless at times on offense, however, as even Mr. Brady can't seem to make any magic happen for the Buckos. But this Tampa D has been of a kiffin vintage, smothering teams and turning them over. The KCQB, who threw his first pick last week, is as defense-proof as they come, but I could foresee even the mighty Mahomes having a hard time with this defensive unit. But the Bucks' offense just hasn't shown enough to suggest they're even capable of a performance like Indy's last week. Take the road fave Chiefs to win and cover the itty-bitty one point they're laying. And finally, are you ready for some football? Well, obviously you are. Seems odd to ask that before the last game of the week, but I'm not Hank Williams Jr., Thank God. Our Monday night matchup pits two interstate NFC West rivals, the Rams and the Niners, against each other in San Fran. Jimmy G was unable to get anything going for the prospectors in last week's horrid game versus Denver. But to suggest the Rams have looked like the Rams would be a typical L.A. lie. This game might come down to one simple matchup, however. The Rams' D-line versus the Niners' hog mollies up front. Them being without the hoggiest Molly, however, big blindside protector Trent Williams, he's not going to be suiting up for the red and the gold, that one hole alone might be all Sean McVay's squad needs for the key divisional win. Give me the Rams to cover the one and a half San Francisco's laying and win this game 
outright. There you have it, folks. Week four of Coach Dad's NFL Half an Hour in the books. Apologize again for the audio quality. You know, back in my day, though, four weeks, that was a quarter of the season. Ah, you kids with your 17 games and your TikTok and your music filled with foul language, I tell you. Look at me, regular old dinosaur. Remember, folks, to root for no injuries, good sportsmanship, and do me a favor. Keep the people of Florida in your thoughts, would you? And for the Florida coach dad heads and all the rest of you all around the world, always remember, Coach Dad loves you. (laughs) 